0: Yes, so in terms of development of new vaccines, what we're looking at right now is a recent vote from um, the FDA's Burback committee to include a Omicron-specific part of the vaccine. So those initial vaccines were developed off of essentially the first known COVID, um, what they're considering the alpha variant now. Um, With the prevalence of Omicron and how much it affected our healthcare system, Um, The FDA is trying to look to the future and include um, updated variants of what's currently circulating similar to like what they do with the flu shot. So looking at potentially a bivalent alpha plus omicron COVID vaccine starting in the approximately late October, early November if everything goes as planned booster.
1: Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where quality measurement leads to better patient outcomes. This show will be your go-to source for all things related to quality improvement and medication use in healthcare. We will hit on trending health topics as they relate to performance measurements and find common ground for payers and practitioners. We will discuss how the Equip platform can help you with your performance goals. We will also make sure to keep you up to date on pharmacy quality news. Please note that the topics discussed are based on the information available at the date and time of recording. Information or guidelines are updated periodically, and we will always recommend that our listeners research and review any guidelines that are newly published. Buckle up and put your thinking cap on. The Quality Corner Show starts now.
2: Hello, Quality Corner Show listeners. Welcome to the PQS Podcast, where we focus on medication use, quality improvement, and how we can utilize pharmacists to improve patient health outcomes. I'm your host, Nick Dorich, and this is our first episode to be released in August 2022, which happens to be National Immunization Awareness Month here in the United States. Therefore, Our entire month will be dedicated to news, updates, and stories about immunizations and how pharmacists are improving health outcomes through immunization efforts. Now, this is not the first time we've covered immunizations in August, as this has been somewhat of an annual tradition for the Quality Corner show. That means when thinking of potential topics about immunizations this year, we wanted to cover some new things for the show. We've got several new guests and topics for the series this month, and for that I hope you enjoy the items we are set to cover. In getting started, the Quality Corner Show is actually going to have back-to-back episodes with a new guest. Admittedly, when we started our episode planning and between this guest and I, we figured out that there were just so many different ideas for content that it wasn't going to work for one show. We had to split it into two. So we're really excited to bring you both of these episodes. So this is going to be the first of two episodes with our guest, that being Dr. Amanda Applegate. Amanda, welcome to the Quality Corner Show.
0: It is a pleasure to be here,
2: Nick. Thank you so much for having me. Amanda, great to have you here today. And before we begin today's episode, let's get to know about you. So what is your career or background in healthcare, And then what do you do in your role today?
0: Well, I always tell people I started out as the daughter of a hospital pharmacist, and that's what I wanted to do and accidentally found myself in the public health sphere and um, after the H1N1 pandemic back in 2009. So um, really pivoted over to a focus on immunizations. I spent about 10, 11 years as an immunization coordinator for a chain of pharmacies in the Kansas City metro area. Um, And today I work for the Kansas Pharmacists Association working on practice development. So moving into that clinical space for
2: pharmacies across the state of Kansas and beyond. Excellent. Well, Amanda, thank you for the introduction. And uh, with that, we're going to jump into our topic. We've got a lot to cover for today. And I realized we didn't actually know what we're going to cover with today's episode specifically. So today we're going to be talking about COVID-19 and vaccine updates for that. So we'll go ahead, we'll jump into the topic, but after a brief message from our team at PQS.
1: Now it's time for the breakdown. As Quality Corner show host, Nick will ask three main topic questions. Our guests will have a chance to respond and there will be some discussion to summarize the key points. This process will repeat for the second and third questions, which will wrap up the primary content for this recording. After that, expect to end on a closing summary, usually containing a bonus question. Now that we have described the process, let's jump into the questions.
2: All right, Amanda, we're going ahead with our topic for today and covering vaccine updates for COVID-19. We are starting with the topic, which has been a hot area of discussion recently for COVID-19. That's being specifically pediatric vaccines. So what are the general recommendations for patients that are six months to five years old?
0: So that six month to five year old range, which the CDC has been calling the tender age vaccination to differentiate it from that pediatric and then the adolescent vaccine, since there's a lot of different players in this here. Um, The general recommendation is to vaccinate and vaccinate that age group, period. Um, The littlest kids do get COVID, they do get hospitalized, and they do die. So what we can do as a profession and as a healthcare community to help prevent that is so important. Um, There are two different vaccines for that littlest age group. Um, The Pfizer group is recommended for ages six months to four years. It is a three-dose series um, across about a 12-week period. And the Moderna vaccine for that littlest age group is for um, six months, and this is actually technically authorized up to 17 years, so six months to five years in that Moderna age group. It is a two-dose series. Um, and it is recommended over an eight-week period. So, you protect it a little bit sooner with that Moderna vaccine, um, but that Pfizer is also just as good.
2: Excellent. So, noting that for comparing that age group versus general recommendations, that timing of the dose series may be a little bit different, Um, dosing may be a little bit different, and then obviously that there's only specific vaccines that we're giving with this age group. Is that all correct, Amanda?
0: Yes, that's all correct. And the interesting thing about these age groups too is we get a question a lot about jumping from one age group to another. So if somebody's scheduled to go from, you know, age four to five during that age group, let's say, you know, they're going from tender age to pediatric, they can actually utilize either the tender age or the pediatric or same thing if you're moving from pediatric to adolescent, you basically just stick with that same dose and vaccine. Um, from either the younger age group or the older age group, there's no preference given to which.
2: It's a great clarification because, again, if you're going from five, age five to six, it's not as if you want to to wait just because that recommendation. There is guidance on how to adjust uh, for when that situation does occur. Well, Amanda, great description there on those items. The next question I want to go into here, and this is going to somewhat relate to children as well, but it's also going to uh, be applicable for a broader population and that's gonna be about booster vaccines for COVID-19. Now, COVID-19, that's a new disease state that we're dealing with, and there's also been these vaccines, right? They're newly developed, so when they became available, there wasn't information readily available upon launch with regards to vaccine and how long that immune response would last. Now, with more time and research, there are new recommendations for boosters, and what can you share with us and our audience today about this aspect of COVID-19 immunizations?
0: Yeah, this is still an ever-evolving situation, especially as new variants come about, and we just keep learning more. That science keeps developing in terms of, you know, we started administering those, we got the information that we needed, and then we just learned alongside that vaccine. So we have learned that people need boosters. Again, people need boosters, period, period. Um, that initial series um, has been shown across the board to really not be enough. Especially as we moved into January 2022 and the prevalence of Omicron, um, we found that the vaccinations, that initial series, what they used to call fully vaccinated, wasn't cutting it in terms of protection. You saw, still saw hospitalizations and death after that as that immunity waned. So for boosters right now, essentially those first two doses for adults and the pediatrics, um, anybody in that age 12 and older population need a booster dose. Um, so uh, that primary series essentially winds up being three doses right now. Um, if you're over the age of 50, another booster. Um, so four doses total. And if you somebody is immunocompromised, um five doses total is what we're looking at for either the Pfizer or moderna product
2: for that age twelve and older population. All right, Amanda, are there also any updates on vaccines, vaccines available, and what should be provided as a booster?
0: Yes. so in terms of development of new vaccines, what we're looking at right now is a recent vote from um, the FDA's Verbac committee to include a Omicron specific part of the vaccine. So those initial vaccines were developed off of essentially the first known COVID, um, what they're considering the alpha variant now. Um, with the prevalence of Omicron and how much it affected our healthcare system, um, the FDA is trying to look to the future and include um, updated variants of what's currently circulating, similar to like what they do with the flu shot. So looking at potentially a bivalent alpha plus Omicron COVID vaccine starting in the approximately late October, early November if
2: everything goes as planned booster. Gotcha. Thanks, Amanda. Yeah. And it's key, key words there if everything goes as planned. So we're going to wait and see for more, more updates. And I do want to, before we close the episode today, I will ask about where you've been getting this information, trusted resources and where folks can, can look to for more information. But before we get there, I do want to ask a, our, our third sort of question for today's topic. And this is going to be related to vaccine safety for COVID-19. And with that, are there any new details, new experiences, et cetera, for risk of side effects or adverse events with people as they have gotten their series of COVID-19 vaccines?
0: Yes, probably the most important information we can give in the vaccine safety um, information for COVID is going to be along the lines of myocarditis. That's probably gotten the most press and deservedly so um, because it affects um, a very specific population. So that myocarditis is generally found in the adolescent population, especially adolescent males. It's thought to be related to hormones um, that are being produced at the time. Um, and so for that group, so for um Males in the age twelve to approximately uh, thirty nine years old age group, taking a little bit longer between intervals is going to be one of the most important things you can do to help avoid myocarditis. Um so whereas an interval may generally be three weeks for a Pfizer vaccine, they can take up to eight weeks to put a little bit more space in between first dose, second dose. Um, And then same thing, waiting maybe a little bit longer than that five month recommendation for the booster um, in order to decrease the risk of myocarditis in that age group. So that's probably that biggest thing is you can go a little bit longer um, and you really want to go a little bit longer on that interval for
2: adolescent um, and young adult males specifically. Thanks, Amanda. Now, uh, other part. Of this question as it relates to vaccine safety this can be a little bit of a pivot but still within the realm of vaccine safety especially as so when this episode comes out we're going to be august 2022 right and we know everyone is going to be gearing gearing up for flu shot season so that does for me that brings to mind well what about co-administration or you know with the covid 19 vaccine is it safe to give these vaccines along with uh, other vaccinations again especially perhaps because seasonal flu uh, especially with flu vaccine
0: yes it's absolutely safe to give the COVID vaccine at the same time as any other vaccine, always making sure that you're spacing administration sites appropriately um, so you can differentiate any adverse reactions. Um, but um, that being said, the one exception may be monkeypox
2: vaccine. Thank you, Amanda. Now, I do have one Actual final question here before we close our content today on COVID-19 and COVID-19 vaccines. Specifically, one of the important parts that we, as pharmacists, as healthcare providers, that we need to realize is that this information, whether it's COVID-19 itself, the disease, or immunizations, there's going to be no, there's going to be new information that we're going to have to learn. So, where are you going for information and resources? Where are you getting your new up-to-date information? And where should folks be checking as we go forward? Because I will. Note for all of our listeners, Amanda and I are recording this episode in you know, summer, late summer, twenty twenty-two. This August, this episode is coming out in August, beginning of August at that time. So we're sharing the information that is recent as of the time of recording. But we do expect there will be changes. So Amanda, before we close today, where should they be going for new information? What are you reading and checking yourself?
0: I always recommend that people hop over to the CDC's. Um, Interim clinical considerations for the use of COVID 19 vaccines. That is the end all be all in terms of how to utilize these vaccines um, and learning about the nuances of some of these questions. So you can find out things like if somebody participated in one of the initial vaccine trials and wants to get revaccinated, there's information about that on there, as well as, again, information about the most current um adolescent schedules pediatric schedules tender age schedules as things change and develop Um, another place um, we always recommend for uh, vaccine information is going to be immunize.org both of those resources are going to have um, very good clinical information for the administration of these vaccines
2: Excellent, Amanda. Well, thank you for that. We'll be sure to check those resources and I recommend for all of our listeners to do the same. Now that does, we we could go for a lot, we could go a lot longer talking COVID-19, but we're going to try to keep this short and COVID-19 vaccines. We're going to try to keep it short for our listeners. So I'm going to give just a couple of points, a couple of the notes that Amanda had prepared for us really just as a a summary for this episode and main things that we talked about, um, tender age or pediatric vaccines, what needs to be um, done or administered, the schedule for those patients that are between between six months and five years of age. Uh, make sure to check those recommendations. There are also guidelines on how to administer the vaccines when patients go from a lower age group up to a higher age group as they age. It is a different series. It is a different set than adult recommendations, so be sure to check out latest information there. With regards to boosters, everyone five years and older should receive one booster at least four months after completion of a primary series. And for those patients that are 50 years and older, second booster also recommended. Um, Other items that we had discussed here, side effects, adverse events, et cetera. For those patients, adolescent males, um, that's males age 12 to 39 here, Um, as well, considering a longer interval between those mRNA uh, vaccines uh, to help reduce the risk of myocarditis and then co-administration of vaccines. What we talked about there, especially as it relates to flu season upcoming, uh, thumbs up there for co-administration of vaccines. Uh, Just make sure that you're doing a different site of injection there for the patient's comfort. Now, Amanda, we get to this part of the show and we're doing things a little bit differently where we look to bring up some questions or topics that aren't exactly pertinent to our topic of the day so i've got a couple questions but because you're here for two episodes i'm going to split it over two episodes so two questions for you today the first one is where would you like to travel for your next pharmacy or healthcare conference
0: i've been really enjoying checking out michigan lately um so i would love to head back to michigan to uh, maybe get a little bit of hiking in maybe before or after that next conference
2: Excellent. And then my next question here also, it's going to be related to professional development for pharmacists. So we know pharmacists, they need to get their CE to renew their license each and every year. But in addition to that, what is something every pharmacist should do each year?
0: I think every pharmacist every year should attend some sort of in-person meeting, because the exchange of ideas and best practices, what worked, what hasn't, um, is just an absolutely critical part of that professional
2: development um, and moving what we're doing forward. Excellent. I get the sense now that as we're starting with this new question, it might that that particular answer might be a popular response. So we'll see. We'll let it go for a few more, but we may need to change that or or disallow that answer as being too popular. But, Amanda, we're going to allow it for now. Uh, Amanda, before we do close today's episode, no, uh, one other question for you. Folks may have questions for you based on your experience with immunizations, based on your experience with the Kansas Pharmacist Association, the topics that we talked about today. So can you share with us um, how folks can contact you if they are interested in more information and the things that you are are working on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anybody can reach out to me via email. Um, It is pretty easy. I'm at Amanda at KS
2: rx.org. Excellent. Well, Amanda, thank you. And uh, it's not, this is not going to be goodbye because we're having you back for the next episode after this. But uh, for our listening audience, that does mean we've wrapped up today's episode of the quality corner show and we thank you for joining us and we hope you listen to our next episode where again amanda will be back for a a part two about immunization updates so thanks for listening we'll be back with a new episode next week until then we have one final message from the pqs team
1: the pharmacy quality solutions quality corner show has a request for you our goal is to spread the word about how quality measurement can help improve health outcomes and we need your help in sharing this podcast to friends and colleagues in the healthcare industry. We also want you to provide feedback, ask us questions, and suggest health topics you'd like to see covered. If you are a health expert and you want to contribute to the show or even talk on the show, please contact us. You can email info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what is on your mind, what we can address so that you are fully informed. We want you to be able to provide the best care for your patients and members And we wish all of you listeners out there well.